Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. And today my guest is Megan Chomut. Megan, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Good. So this is going to be another episode of um, Uncensored, a special episode where we're going to share our opinions and we're going to actually take a little bit of a different twist today because Megan is uh, a financial planner and, and she looks at not only real estate investing as part of the overall picture, but everything else that you can do. And one of the things I wanted Megan to talk to us about today is just what we can do in times like this to really plan because there's a lot of moving parts. And, uh, and a lot of us may have a job, may not have a job, may not know how long we have a job for. And I think it's important to plan ahead, but if you weren't able to plan ahead, at least plan now, it's better than not planning at all. So really happy to have you on the show. Thanks so much. I agree. I think that the quote, dig the well before you're thirsty is really, really playing out really well right now. But if you didn't have the opportunity to dig the well, the best next right step would be now. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you do to help investors or just regular people as well with their finances. Yeah. So I'm a certified financial planner. So I take really the whole picture and break it down into bite-sized steps on what your right next step is financially. And everybody's next right step is very different. It depends on age, on your personality, on your preferences, on do you have real estate in your portfolio? Would you like to have it? And all of those moving parts. Like if you think about it, when you go to get pre-approved for a mortgage, the mortgage broker will give you a general pre-approval amount, which is really interesting because my pre-approval amount would be the exact same as yours if our income is the same. However, I have four children and, you know, all these other moving parts that are different that weren't incorporated as part of that pre-approval amount. So that's kind of where I take the numbers and I look at them based on your individual per, your individual situation, but also I, I sprinkle in the little things like, do you have kids? What do you want at retirement? How do you want to live? Do you want to travel? Do you want not to travel? Is this important to you? Is this not important to you? And we design a, a, a roadmap to follow. Absolutely. So I will say like there's different types of financial advisors. There's uh, those that are fee upfront, fee for service. And then there's those that don't charge you, but they'll, they'll push like mutual funds where that's how they get paid with MER fees and that kind of stuff. So, so, so my take, and again, I'm not here to say one is necessarily better than others. Well, maybe I am. I will say, <laughs> I will say here's the thing. If I'm going to hire a financial advisor, I want a fee only because I don't want their incentive to be something that they're making money on. I would rather have somebody look at my entire plan and say, this is how much it's going to cost you up front. And sometimes, you know, it means going to Questrade where that financial advisor is not making any money because it's the best thing in my, in my best interest because I like to be hands-on. Sometimes it's actually incorporating real estate. So a lot of financial advisors may not even recommend real estate. I would say the majority of them don't even have a real estate piece. And I think that's a big important thing to consider is, is that financial advisor encompassing everything that you're in, that you're interested in, or is it just more what they're interested in, unfortunately? 
I think that's a really important point. So I've I've been on both sides of the table. I've been an advisor that has gotten paid by trailers, which is when you buy a mutual fund, portion of the return on the mutual fund did come back to me. And now I work in a different model where literally the only person who pays me is the client. So the client can rest assured that I am not picking a certain product or a certain structure because I will be compensated more. I'm not referring you to a lawyer or another professional because that that professional is paying me a referral fee. Literally, if I refer someone to you, it's because that is the right fit for you based on my opinion. And there's no monetary exchange there. So there are places for both types of people, but just that reassurance that I'm not going to suggest a life insurance product or a life insurance portion of your financial plan because I'm going to benefit from it. From it. I'm presenting it because this is a portion of your plan that really is important and you can do what you want with it and you can pick who you want with it and I can help you navigate that, but there would be no compensation in terms of my recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's switch it up a little bit and let's go through some of the things that the listeners and you guys can do at home while all of this social isolation is happening jobs may or may not be secure. What are some things that you recommend, Megan, uh, that people do in these types of, of times where there's so much uncertainty? My biggest, one of my biggest tips as a foundation that I'm saying right now is to follow reliable sources of information. So on social media and there's there's just a lot of information out there that might you might need to put your own filters on. So if you follow people that are financial experts, but they're trying to give food safety advice, or you follow real estate experts, and they're trying to give you medical advice, it's really just, let's just follow the real estate expert for their particular expertise. And let's let the medical advice go to the scientists and all of those types of people, as well as the benefits available to you. So when you're looking for information on government, um, either federal, provincial, or municipal, go right to the source. Don't follow people that are posting things or, or go back in their feed and look because the chances are that all that information is going to be outdated because things are changing by the minute. Yeah, absolutely. So it's important to, and I've always lived like this, is pay myself first, right? Just like you would pay yourself first. And there's a great book, book I, right now I'm reading is Profits First. It's a good book, right? So it's what I'm doing. Yeah, that book literally changed my business. Nice, nice. So I think that's important. What are some things that people can do? I mean, let's just say they're thinking of going into real estate, they haven't started yet, um, they're, they're working, but maybe working from home. Maybe they'll still have a job in a month, maybe not. Like, what are some things that they can start doing today? Yeah, I think that going back to the profit first kind of philosophy is that you should be paying yourself first. And in a situation where this pandemic hits, you're going to thank yesterday you for doing that. Some of us didn't get that opportunity. So what I say is if you're feeling maybe 
overwhelmed or you can't get ahead or stressed in this time, it's totally normal, but it's probably because you weren't aligned with your individual structure or code. I like to call it like your fortune formula. So every family, every individual, every rental property, every business has what I call a fortune formula. And this is where you put a portion to future you, a portion to today you, and a portion to past you. Meaning you're going to save a portion, you're going to spend a portion, and you're going to, did I do, and the the other, the uh, past you is to pay off debt. So your individual code might have been save 20%, I'm going to spend 50%, and the remainder, I'm going to throw it at debt. And then this happens, your fortune formula may change. So it's really getting aware on how much really do you need to spend right now? How much do you need to keep the wheels turning on keeping a roof over your head? And then you can play around with the two other components, the the future you, the saving, and the past you, the debt repayments. Okay, awesome. So it makes sense. So you got to look at, you know, paying off debt, saving, in my opinion, to invest, but saving also as your emergency fund as well. And uh, it makes sense. So now let's just say somebody has um, taken advantage of the serve of 2000 a month because they've lost their income. You know, what are some recommendations that you would have for them? One of the things to consider with CERB is that the, the government is giving you uh, the lump sum payments that you do need to keep reapplying for, but they're also giving you the whole amount. So it's almost like your employer giving you your whole paycheck without taking off any deductions. So you're getting the full $2,000 payment, but you're not getting taxed on it. So something to keep in mind is, they're giving you the whole amount, which is awesome. But come next, I'm going to guess it's April. That's our normal tax deadline, but things aren't normal. Come next April, there will be a tax obligation tapped on top of that. So it's something to really keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, they're, they're going to have, they're going to have to recoup their money somehow. I mean, this is billions and potentially trillions of dollars of, of money that they're printing, essentially, um, quote unquote. But, you know, it's going to come back. It's going to come back in taxes. And, you know, you look at, I think it was like World War II or something, and they started implementing income tax. At some point, like, are they going to go have to go up to 20% tax on, on all goods instead of HST 13%? I, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but there's, there's going to be something where they're having to recoup it. Um, and also because they're printing a lot of money, there's going to be inflation. And so, you know, what's going to happen to people's savings with inflation? What's going to happen to people's investments, real estate with inflation? I think that's going to be really quite interesting. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I wish, I really wish I had a crystal ball. The one thing that I am leaning into in this pandemic and the printing of money and the, all the government relief and how are we ever going to recover from this is that it isn't just Canadians. So the world as a whole is going through this whole thing. I know some of the Scandinavian countries have offered a base living and it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and we can kind of lean on what the other countries are doing. The other thing that is really hard to wrap your head around is the unemployment rate and the effect that that's gonna have. So there's 
so many pieces to the puzzle, the inflation, um, the lack of immigration, the unemployment rate, that um, the, the one thing that I really think to, to lean into is that we're literally all in this together. And so every country is going through exactly what we're going through and different countries are handling it differently. So hindsight's gonna be 2020 on which one has taken the right approach. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, but like you look at places like Sweden, and then you look like at places like like us, and then you look at the U.S. and and you know you have to look at like how many how many cases there are, but you know what's going to be the aftermath of the economy, and that's going to be interesting to see, and it's going to be unfortunate for some countries. Personally, I know you mentioned the the basic income. I am so against that for so many reasons. I think it's just absolutely as Canadians and as Canada, you would hope that you know if if you work harder and you want to bust your ass to do something, then you should be rewarded for it. And if you don't, well, you should also be rewarded in a different way for that, but not with with basic income. That's just going to, in my opinion, it's not the right way to do it. Um, it is not the country that personally I want to be a part of. I think you you merit and you you earn your way through hard work and dedication and consistency. But like they're throwing some stuff around and granted, I'm sure there's a lot of, of people that are like, yeah, sure, you know, like that would be great. but but then what? Then what? I think you have a lot of other bigger problems. That's just my personal opinion. So some of your clients right now are probably looking at their portfolio and saying, oh my God, my stocks, my mutual funds, things have dropped. Mm -hmm. They may or may not have real estate in there as well, wondering if their tenants are going to pay. What are some things that you're, you're able to suggest that people can just be aware of and do during these times as you're looking at you know, your portfolio and you're like, I lost like 20, 30, 40% of, uh, of where I was a couple months ago. I know. You know what? That feeling doesn't feel good for anybody. So I'm a numbers person. I've been through 2008. I know, I know what the market trends are like. I know we're going to recover from this. The, the, da the data shows that eventually roll, the economy will start rolling again. It still hurts. So I do my family's financial check-in, I call it, on the 20th of every month. On February 20th, one of our accounts hit $100,000. So I went on social media and I was so excited, like coming from somebody who has four kids, when I first started my business, I wasn't reading Profit First, so I wasn't paying myself. I have invested every cent of mine into real estate. For one of my accounts to hit 100000 was a, a huge accomplishment for us. Then, that was February 20th. So now we all know what has happened. On February 20th, did I go on social media, celebrate this huge accomplishment, and then say, you know what I'm gonna do now? I'm gonna move it to cash. That is not what I did. <laughs> So that account was down 30% within like double digit days. It was a huge hit. Did I feel good about it? No. Did I move it? No. So I think it's really important to have um, the emotions and totally be okay with that, but also have somebody to talk to, to talk you out of doing the wrong thing. So I really, I didn't, I wanted to pull that money out. I felt afraid, which is totally normal. 
But then I had to put the advisor hat on. I had to go back to my fortune formula and see how it all panned out and said, you know what? All of these things are changing. I have zero control, which is totally how we all feel, totally helpless and out of control. But instead of doing, you know, monthly contributions to that $100,000, well, former $100,000 account, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do weekly contributions so I can take advantage of this, this downturn. Now that account is for retirement. So I don't really have to worry about accessing the money now. And 2008, Megan is, is saying, learn from me. <laughs> this is exactly what you should have done in 2008. And so I would say, stick to the numbers. What is your, your fortune formula? What are, what is your unique code and how can you maximize the opportunity right now? Is it maybe spending a little less to save a little more? Is it maybe take advantage of some of the debt options that you have available to you now and have money for spending right now? It's kind of getting creative and letting yourself have the emotions, but don't necessarily act on them right away. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's different for everybody because everyone's going to be in a, in a specific spot. So it is important to get individual advice, but I would, I would agree with you. Like you don't want to actually realize your loss, right? Because as soon as you actually move that money or you take it out and you move into cash, then all of a sudden you're going to go back and buy again, but you're probably going to buy at a higher cost for the same thing that you would have, you know, just kept your money in. And at some point things will resume. It might take a little bit longer than potentially 2008. I don't know, but you know, at some point it resumes and same thing with real estate. If you can hang on to it, hang on to it because in 10 years from now and five years from now, you'll be happy that you did. And you're not, you're not going to panic sell, but you know, like there are going to be some people that are going to be in a tough spot. They've lost their job. They maybe cannot, you know, continue paying their mortgage. So they're going to go for the mortgage deferral or they can't pay rents. Hopefully they work with their uh, the landlord to come up with a plan that makes sense for all parties. So, so what's then, you know, what's then something that they could do? Should they eliminate debt, you know, keep saving, keep investing? Like, you know, if somebody's got $2,000 a month, you know, and they've got $2,500 mortgage or carrying costs of everything, like then what, what do they do? I think that depending, like, find, find, the first step is find out how much you need to live. So how much is your, like, if you, your mortgage payment is $2,500, well, what about the other basic needs, like keeping your lights on, keeping the heat on, or air conditioning, depending on where you live? And then also consider that every level of government has additional support. So if you, you're getting the 2000, you're getting the serve. There's also the child, the child tax. I forget what they're calling it now. They, they keep changing the name, but the kid money that families receive on the 20th. The child tax benefit, right? Child tax benefit. They're boosting it. So for every child starting in May, they're going to give you a little extra. Also, if you're in Ontario and have children, they're giving you, the Ontario government is giving you an extra amount depending on the needs of your child. So if you have children under 18, you qualify for this $200 per child benefit. Also, if your child has special needs, they've boosted that a little bit. Are you paying OSAP? Because the government has offered a benefit for student loans. 
And then municipal, like in your municipal government, they might have some options for you as well. So it's find out what you need to keep the lights on and then what are your other options and what's the difference. So if you're still short, then maybe talking to your mortgage um, holder, your lender. I don't know if doing a complete deferral is the right move, but be, just because the payment is quite large and um, it's interest on interest. And I mean, I, yeah. Over, over time, you know, if you can avoid deferring it, I'm a hundred percent, you know, in, in the, the realm of don't defer unless you absolutely have to, unless you're absolutely going to lose your house. Here's a, here's a better strategy that I've been telling people. And it's, if you have a advanceable mortgage, um, and hopefully you do on investment property or your home, what happens with an advanceable mortgage and they're diff called different things like Scotia has the step. So everything I had with Scotia was on an advanceable mortgage. So I'm still lucky I have my job. My boyfriend still has his job. You know, financially we're fine. But the nice thing is that with an advanceable mortgage, what happens is that when you pay a dollar towards principal on your monthly payments, a dollar of HELOC automatically opens up. And so if you have the property for three, four years, you might have $15,000, $20,000 sitting there that you just get your branch. And then they essentially, even if you don't have a job, like they don't qualify you, you basically get the money and then you can use that money to pay off the mortgage. And so what happens is let's just say, just for simplicity, let's just say your mortgage payment is $2,000 a month and then a thousand is your principal and a thousand is your mortgage. If you use that, that HELOC from the advanceable mortgage and you use that to pay your mortgage, well, a thousand dollars of the 2000 comes back into your line of credit. Mm -hmm. So you're only paying half as an example, super simple math, but a good way that you can say, you know, if I can't carry the $2,000 mortgage because my SERP payment is only 2000, well, I can still do that this way with the advanceable mortgage. So guys always use advanceable mortgages on all your properties that you can do it with huge tip that my mortgage broker gave me. And, uh, I think it's probably a lot, well, it definitely is a lot better than deferring, but if you're going to lose our house, obviously defer, just keep in mind, nothing's free. Banks are, you know, and they, and they should be, they're looking for making sure that they're not losing money at the end of the day. So they're going to get their money back. I know it's so there's, there's, this is the time to get creative. So if you do have that type of mortgage, go ahead and use it. I know on one of our properties, it's a commercial loan. And the deal was, as long as you keep making payments, you don't miss a payment, everything goes good. At the end of five years, they will give you a $25,000 line of credit, no questions asked. And, but you do have to trigger that. They're not just gonna give it to you. You have to say, hey, it's been five years, you promised me this, now's the time that I need it. The other thing to consider is that there are some, like I know locally we have um, deferrals on the water and property taxes and those are interest free. So I don't know what's gonna happen in six months when those are over, if you can set up a payment plan, because I haven't honestly needed to take advantage of that, but who knows, I may need to and have to look into that. But there are other ways to get creative if you weren't proactive to get the, um, the re-advanceable mortgages. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us, and the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are gonna be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are gonna be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also gonna be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are gonna be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are gonna be very individual for all of us. And they're gonna help navigate three key parts, financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have different plans, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. Yeah, you know what? This is This whole chaos is really telling me, and I'm happy that I'm not just starting now. This is why it's exactly important to have more than one source of income. Do not rely on a job because unfortunately, as we just saw, they're not that, you know, like they, they're here today, they can be gone tomorrow. They're not all that stable. And well, that's a really good point too, because a lot of us have, I, I don't know what else to call them. And I feel like golden handcuffs is a terrible term, but that's the really the most fitting thing is when I was working my corporate job, I felt like I had golden handcuffs on because I wanted to start my own business, but I was tied to this guaranteed income and all these other things. And now that I do have the flexibility, I think that wasn't golden handcuffs. That was one source of income. And once it was gone, it was, it was, gone it was taken away I had zero control whereas now that I do have my own practice and do which has various sources of income now I feel like you know like I I can take that deep breath and 
and give myself the pat on the back that it was like, okay, <laughs> you did walk away from something that was guaranteed, but now look. It's just a lot more control. Like personally, I hate people trying to control me. Like this is why I have a hard time with, you know, all these government rules and regulations saying, don't go to your cottage, this and that. Like, you know, I'm at my cottage right now. Here's the thing. I brought my own food. I'm not using their, you know, their town supplies, but I'm allowed to be here. I pay taxes. Like there's certain control that I will not put up with, but this is exactly why not relying on one source of income gives you more control or gives us more control because we can say, okay, you know, this source is, is not doing as well right now. You can focus on other things. And like, I was just actually looking this morning on Airbnb and there's like online experiences and there's like wine tasting and there's yoga and like, and there's a lot of people, like a lot of them seem really interesting and I'll probably start like getting a couple and it's just different, you know, different things that you're learning from people across the world. I think that's super cool. Like somebody listening to this might have a great talent. You know, if you're a good singer, put on a little concert for an hour. I mean, it could, it could be, it could be so many things, but you know, sometimes in, in these types of times there's opportunities, but we just have to go out and get them. I a hundred percent agree. I think that that's the other thing about this moment causing, you know, some overwhelm and some stress is we are not able as humans to make really smart, logical decisions when our brain is full of stress and our wires aren't connecting properly. So it's okay, take that moment, feel the stress, but then it's time to get creative. Like don't, um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like this is the time where everybody is in the same boat. And if you have something to offer the world, like I was talking to another professional the other day and I was saying like, there was a lineup outside and it looked like the teacher with that teacher voice was like, you stand here, you stand here. And like, how amazing would that be for someone with that skill set? to be providing their services or there's oh the dental hygienist so there's no dental hygienist working right now it's emergency only when it comes to dental but they have a skill set in terms of sanitizing and keep a sterile environment that i don't know where it can be applied but it's like everybody has something that they can provide that somebody is looking for that so I was on a call the other day with this group of women and this woman was heavy hearted about having to teach her kids. And when that wasn't happening, how much screen time she was giving them. And it was like, your role right now isn't a teacher. <laughs> Don't worry. They will get caught up, have some grace, have some fun and get creative. Maybe there are some tutors on Kijiji that could help you out. You could put your child in front of the Zoom call and um, it, it stimulates the economy by you paying that person. And it also gives you 20 minutes of peace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the 20 minutes piece. I'm sure a lot of parents are like, hmm, this is good. <laughs> you yeah, have some friends with kids and like many, you know, have one, well, you have four kids too, right? So I just, I don't know how parents are, are doing it like 24 seven, but like, thank you to parents. Like you guys should, unfortunately, in my opinion, and it's not happening, get paid a whole lot more <laughs> for, for staying home because a lot of, of the parents are still wanting to educate their kids and, and yeah. do things with the kids. Like you don't want to just plop them in front of the TV, but, um, and you know, like I can't really talk, I don't have kids, but my thoughts are, you know, you're, you're even more hands-on than ever. So thank you to all parents. That's, uh, 
it's a, t- a tough one right now for sure. Well, and I think it's just getting creative with all that. So in terms of your rental property, let's say you were airbnb which is not cool at the moment. I don't know if, I don't know what's happening. A $100,000 fine for short term, but you know, you could probably still Airbnb just 28 days or more. Yeah. And it's been created with that. So there's a lot of people right now that don't want to go home. So whether they have an elderly parent living with them or children or someone who's vulnerable, so they need somewhere to go. And I'm sure the hospitals and um, other essential service industries are looking for help. So it's getting creative. It's it's thinking outside the box and nothing is normal. So why would normal be okay right now? Like nothing is normal. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So here's a question I have about emergency funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, let's do it with emergency funds for your personal use, but emergency funds from a real estate perspective. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to share my real estate perspective emergency fund, but Right now, what do you recommend that people, if they'd have it or not, but just moving forward, you know, how do they create the emergency fund and what should they have amount wise? So in terms of the emergency fund for your rental, if you need to, if you haven't done anything and you do need to lean on a home equity portion, go ahead and do that. I mean, you, you have, I know that there's going to be some people that there are no other option, but they have to maybe sell the property. Um, but now is not the time to sell. Like if there was ever a not good time, it is, it is now. So whatever you can do to keep the wheels turning on that portion of your business, do it. Um, when you go and look at your numbers, I think it's important to look at what expenses need to be paid that come out of the account automatically. So that is things like the mortgage. Um, for me, it's my property taxes. Um, the Sometimes it's utilities, sometimes it's not. It all depends on what your business looks like. And then just times that number by three. So that gives you three months of keeping the lights on in your, in your business. But there are some incentives now, so if, if your municipal government is allowing you to defer some some water payments or give you a different type of payment plan for your for your property taxes there are some options if that number is just a little bit out of your comfort zone um that's the tricky thing here is when i am working with investors who are looking at buying their first property one of the biggest things that they always forget to include is vacancy and i always say like Vacancy doesn't technically mean that the property is empty. So vacancy means that the property could be empty. You, Because I think it's really important to be picky with your tenants. So if you can't find the perfect tenant, leave it empty. It's not worth the $1,000, $2,000, whatever your rent is. It's literally not worth it. Keep it empty. But it, vacancy can also be when somebody's in your rental and not paying. And now is unfortunately the worst time for that to be happening to you. So if um, you are creating that emergency fund right now, find out what it needs to be. 
what is that base keep the wheels turning times it by three and let's get creative in terms of the HELOC lending is tricky right now so if you have that pre-approval button on your online banking might be the time to click it um, I hate leaning on debt but for some of us that is what is going to get us through this because now is a really unfortunate time to sell yeah absolutely I would say if you can lean on debt that's not a credit card because credit card debt at 19% is gonna be horrible also stay away from like any cash money marts or any of those things that's like being like ugh, almost 300% interest like that's just a crime in my opinion unfortunately if you have <laughs> very little integrity a good business to get into um please don't kill me guys it's just my my own opinion I couldn't do it but I think three to four months of expenses per property you know if you have under 10 properties in your checking account is good like one of the things that I do as much as possible because I still have other job income is to keep my cash flow in a savings portion of so each property that I have will have like a separate bank account, checking account, savings account, keep your cash flow there. But in your checking account, I'd like to have like three to four months of total expenses in there. And uh, I, that think mm -hmm. I, I think it's really important when you're looking at the time horizon too, because when you first buy a property for the first year or two, it almost feels like every dollar you're making in rent is it is not really cash flow. And so now is a really uncomfortable time for the newbies because they haven't had the consistent cash flow for one or two years. And I think that the bank structure of each property having their own bank account, if you aren't already set up like that, just do that now. Yeah, absolutely. There's things that we can do now. I mean, the banks are technically still open. Like I went to Scotia the other day and there was like no one there. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's still lots of things that people can do right now. You know, I was talking to an investor and like, you know, luckily I think he's going to be fine because, because he planned well, but only 20% of 50 units paid. So they're like rent striking on purpose. So like there's going to be some situations that are really quite unfortunate. I guess, you know, if you have a hundred units, like, are you really going to have three months of expenses per unit? Probably not. That might be overkill, but maybe you'll have a large HELOC that you can draw upon on for the extra. So maybe you'll have a little bit less than, you know, three to four months per unit and you'll have a HELOC. But again, like, you know, everybody's going to have a different setup. You can use that. Like at the end of the day, this might last I mean, who knows, right? Three months, four months, five months. It's going to turn around at some point. And there's going to be new incentives too. So like other provinces are taking different initiatives. I know in BC, there is a rental subsidy. It's $500 paid directly to the landlord. Whether different provinces take that up or not will is a question, but there are new incentives and new opportunities coming up literally every day. But doing those small steps, like opening up the bank account, just getting what is the, the fortune formula for that rental property? What would have been the equation of paying off debt, keeping the lights on and saving in an ideal scenario? And now just kind of pivot it based on your new reality of tenants either. I mean, maybe for your rental, your tenants are still paying and everything is fine and you, your normal is current. It's just maybe maybe your personal side of things isn't normal. So question for you, what are your thoughts, and I get this question once in a while, about 
taking money out of the RSP fund um, that's registered to use it for living expenses. What are my thoughts on taking money out of the RSP? I would want to advise that that is the last resort. Mm -hmm. Um, It is money that is available to you. It's yours. You can take it out if you want to. The problem with taking it out right now is you're going to crystallize a loss. Unless you were in a GIC, which technically is still a loss because inflation. I don't want to say don't do it because for some people it might be the means to an end. Um, but it is, I would say, a last resort to take money out of your RSPs because of materializing a loss. And because if your retirement is, is far enough in the future that now you've taken money out that would have otherwise had compounding interest so the the economy is going to turn around and when you let's say you've taken a thousand dollars out that thousand dollars could have became you know at retirement an extra twenty thousand dollars in that account so i want to advise to not do it but it really depends on your situation what are your thoughts I mean, I think it's a last resort. I think it's just an important factor to consider that you're paying taxes. They're going to withhold a percentage and you're probably going to get dinged on taxes. But if you're going to lose your house versus taking out RSPs and that's your last, last resort, take out the RSPs. You know, personally, here's the thing is with my RSPs, I don't necessarily believe having them in the stock market. I am so glad they're not in the stock market. I actually loan it as a mortgage, um, first or second, usually second. And then I, I create my own percentage of interest that I want. So I've got 50 grand loaned out at 9%. I'm going to have another 70 loaned out soon that's uh, that's accounted for and I can control that again. I like the control. Now I'm not saying that's the be all and end all and like, you know, there's no risk. There's risks and everything. Um, but to me, understanding real estate, it makes more sense to have transferred it to community trust or Olympia trust rather than the stock market that I don't fully understand as well as real estate. So if, if somebody is really stuck, you have tax-free versus RSP, use your tax-free before you use your RSP money if possible. You know, the other thing that you can do is if you have like HELOC money and you have a good sum, you know, it may, like again, work with your mortgage broker and like really, you know, you want to do this and be thorough with it. But, you know, instead, if you're taking it out and you're going to pay or, you know, two point something percent on it, you could take it, you could actually loan it out at a higher percentage on something like first or second mortgage. Again, nothing's foolproof, but you could also make the delta the difference and that could create some income. So just different strategies that people can think of. I think that there's so many strategies and listening to conversations like this kind of just open the door so you can kind of peek through and say, is that the right fit for me? Another tip that I would give is it is tax time. And if you are doing your taxes and you see a tax slip that either says T5 or T3 on it, and you haven't maximized your tax-free savings account, then that is an opportunity for tax savings. So if you're receiving these tax slips, which means that this is taxable income, and you have room in your tax-free savings it doesn't make sense to be getting these T3s and T5s. So there are um, different strategies for almost every situation. 
Yeah, absolutely. Megan, thank you so much for sharing your insights, your knowledge. Where can the listeners reach out and find out more? My favorite place to connect with people is Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, go ahead and send me a DM. Otherwise, you can just Google my name, Megan Chomut. I'm on every social media and I have a website with my email right on there. So feel free to to reach out that way. But Instagram is my favorite. Amazing. Megan, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Feel free to rate and review the podcast or send me an email as well. If there's any questions, Sarah at sarahlarby.com. And, uh, and Megan, it was a pleasure having you on. I'm sure we'll have you on again and thanks and, and keep up, you know, the great work. And I love how you're implementing real estate and people's strategies and portfolios and, and overall financial plan. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Anytime. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at Blackjack Contracting Inc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend Blackjack Contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.